good, good morning, everyone. Welcome to a Church in the Valley. Happy New Year. If that doesn't about sum it up, we didn't meet last week, so most of our resolutions are already shot. One weekend, it's like December 31st, set some goals, January 2nd, next year. But uh, we are really glad that you guys are, are with us. Uh, it is a new year, a great time to be together, uh, to worship God together. And I uh, wanted to give you an update. Uh, Andy Vivanco was leading worship up, up here. This is his first Sunday officially as CIV's worship leader. So let's welcome Andy here. If um, There he is. I was like, Andy! He's right there. Um, if you haven't met Andy yet, I encourage you to do so uh, after the service. Uh, he and his wife, Tammy, have uh, been married for how many years? 13 years? 14 years. Going on 14. And uh, they have three kids. Uh, they're Third son was just born uh, December 30th, so uh, he's on Starbucks as we speak, uh, but really glad to to be with us and welcome Andy. Uh, On the other side, Randy is in Hawaii right now and uh, texted me yesterday, having a great time. I said, I'm here in Diamond Bar, glad. Um, Really actually are thrilled for those guys there um, in Hawaii. Celebrating early their uh, daughter's graduation from the University of Oklahoma. This is kind of one of their family trips they're trying to do before everyone's gone. And um, they're celebrating right now. He's going to be there for a few days. He's, he'll be with us uh, next Sunday. But I know uh, Randy wishes you all a happy new year, too. Um, next Sunday, we're having our membership celebration. I'm going to talk a little bit about that later. Um, but glad uh, all of you guys are, are with, with us. Uh, if you look at the, the front of your program, you'll, you'll see we're launching a new series called Launch. Hey, <laughs> first service, I caught it. Second service, I was like, that sounded kind of alike. Um, but this is the new year, and it's a great opportunity to actually launch into uh, goals. And like that video showed, many of us have goals that we think about this time of year. We want to get our finances in line. Maybe we want to get out of debt. We want to maybe grow in our relationships with people, get closer to our, our family, uh, gain more friends, develop those relationships. Or at work, maybe it's a... Uh, promotion or looking for work or new work, this is the time of year where it's like, okay, I'm going to get it figured out. We take the time to to look at those things and try to get it all nailed down. This is also a good opportunity, though, above all that, to focus on a goal that can actually change your life, not in the short term, not just for a period of time, but actually that could change the direction of your life and where you're headed. And that's really your relationship with God. As we think about everything else, health, family, relationships, work, all that other stuff, the umbrella to all of that, the thing that is in each area is is what do we do with our relationship with God? And we're here and we're all at different places. Uh, Some of you maybe have been a Christ follower a long time and you're just trying to figure out, okay, I've been doing this thing. It's not quite like it used to be and I'm not really into it like I used to be and there's apathy or Maybe you're investigating following Christ and you're not quite sure what it means for your life and what it's going to look like and how it's going to change the things that are important to you and you're kind of just trying to figure it all out. No matter where we are, there's an opportunity for us to decide today to take steps towards really growing, towards actual change that can help our life. I don't know about you, the thought of change and thought of a new year and launching into what really matters is, is invigorating right now. And there's the things where it's like, oh, I don't know how I'm going to change. I don't know how I'm going to make progress. And, and we can really 
get discouraged. So what we're going to do this morning, we're going to look at, really, what are some goals that we can set individually that can really dramatically change our life? So we're going to hear from a, uh, a writer in the New Testament called Paul. And Paul knew what it was like to be in this spot where you, you, you want to figure out what life's all about. You want to figure out, okay, what, what am I going to do with my time, my energy, all that I've been given? What am I going to do? And Paul knew that all of us are wondering that same thing. And especially this time of year, we're all just thinking, okay, what, where am I headed? Is this where I want to be? What do I need to do? And so Paul gives us so much insight. We're going to spend the first half of this message looking at the insight that he gives us and how that can actually help us in real life change. So you'll see there on your, your outline, feel free to follow along. There's pens in front of you if you need one. You'll see a, a passage in Philippians 3. And in this, this, this passage that you can read there, he's talking to a church that he helped start with these people that he's trying to help grow. And he's giving them basically his story, where he's at, his journey. And he's telling them these things. So follow along with me. Philippians 3.12. Not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So there's this picture that he's describing. This is where I'm at. And what he's basically saying is, I have been trying to figure out what it means to, to follow God for a while, but I have not arrived. I don't have it all figured out. I don't know exactly everything I'm supposed to do with my life. This picture of I haven't quite taken hold of it. I don't quite understand all the power that I can have as I follow God. I don't quite understand how, despite what I've done, God gives me a second chance. He's basically describing, I, I don't have all this figured out. I don't know how all this stuff works quite yet. I'm learning, but I'm just not there. I've not arrived. I'm still growing. I'm still trying to press on. And what he's doing is he's offering hope. And all of us are in the same place where we haven't arrived. We've not gotten to the point where we can stop to grow in our life, no matter where we are. There's always a chance for us to take a next step. Always a chance for us to learn more about ourselves and about God's plan for our lives. Purpose, the vision. What does God have for me? That's what Paul's saying. He's saying, I've learned some things, but I haven't figured it all out yet. But one thing I do, I, I press on toward the goal. There's this idea of, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to learn, and I'm going to grow, and I'm not going to stop. So he's giving this recipe in, in this, these three verses of, of how to change. How do you bring about change? Because all of us, that's really what we want. We do want to change. We don't want to be the same. You ever read New Year's resolutions? They're like, this year, I'm going to exercise less, eat more, spend more time with, by myself, you don't really read those. Those aren't the motivating New Year's resolutions. No, we, we're always wanting to grow and, and become what we think we should be. And Paul's saying is, I don't even know exactly what that looks like. But God is, God is showing me. And this is the journey he's inviting us onto. Let's, let's figure this out together. And the same is true today. So there's three things that he's saying. That this is how you can change. And he's listing those in those three verses. The first is verse 12. If you really want to change today and make progress in your life, to not be exactly where you are this time next year, you need to recognize where you are. 
All of us, we need to recognize where we are. We're all at different places, but you need to know where you're at. No pretense. No faking it. Where are you in your relationship with God? That's what Paul's saying. You've got to recognize where you are. And he says, all this, I, I haven't attained it. I haven't attained all this. I, I don't have the firmest grip I need to have. I haven't quite got it all nailed down. And he's being honest. And this is a guy that actually had quite a lot figured out. And there's the hope. Despite what we've done, he's saying, there's hope. Because none of us have quite figured it all out. We need to recognize where you are. So where, where are you today in your relationship with God? You need to think about that. Recognize that. That's the first step in knowing how to move forward. The second thing is focus on the present. If you really want to change, if you want to grow, you have to focus on where you are now, but also here and now. Not the past. And that's verse 13. Brothers uh, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. Paul is using an analogy of an athlete in this passage. And it's a great picture. If you ever watch the Olympics, the the elite runners in the world, as they do a relay, and you know, they're going to hand off the baton. They never look at the person holding the baton. Or as they're running and they're on the 100-yard dash, they're not looking saying, I wonder if he's going to get me. They, they look forward the whole time. Because once you start to look behind you, you slow. The lanes get blurred. And you can't reach your goal as a runner as fast as you need to. And Paul's using that same analogy. I haven't got it all figured out. There's a lot of things that I've done wrong. There's a lot of things I haven't quite done in my life that I want to do. But I'm forgetting what is behind. That is the beauty of a new year for all of us. No matter where we've been, what we've done, we have the opportunity for a clean slate. To start afresh. Not dwelling in the past. If you're like me, though, thoughts about the past keep coming up. And you know when you're, you're struggling with that, when you think things like this. I, I can't change. I, I, I keep trying. It, it's not working. That's not going to happen in my life. Not done it before, I won't be able to do it now. I can't do it. It's not going to work. If you start thinking those thoughts, usually it means you're in a place where you're not forgetting what is behind. You're you're focused on what's behind. You can't get past it. There's hope as you pursue God that what you've done in the past, what you've thought, what you've done, anything, God allows you to start anew. You can forget that as you move forward. It's so difficult. We, we, we just get caught up in all these things that we've done, and we, we give up. Many times we just, I can't do it. Never been able to do it before, and you, we take these thoughts as our own. You know, there's an enemy for the Christ follower. The person that wants to follow God, there's an enemy that wants to come against you. And this enemy's in the world, and he's Satan. It's the enemy of God. And what Satan wants to do is defeat you. And one of the ways he defeats you is attacking this thing that you can't do it, that there's no use. You're useless. What you've done has disqualified you. And so you you give up. It's like the runner that just disqualifies himself. I can't run this race. I'm just going to go sit. That's what happens to us. 
What Paul's saying is you have to forget what is behind and instead strain towards the goal. The strain, that's like the finish line where you see those runners. They're straining with everything in them to make sure they get to that finish line. That's the picture that Paul is talking about. So this idea of you recognize where you are, you focus on the present. Moving from where you are right now to growth. But what is this goal he's talking about? This pursuit that he hasn't gotten nailed down completely yet. It's godliness. And if you really want to change and really experience the life that God has for you in this new year, you have to commit to godliness. That's what Paul is encouraging us to do. And that's verse 14. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. That's what he's pressing on towards. That's what he's straining toward. Godliness. And it's something that you commit to. So each one of us, no matter where we're at, if you decide today that you want to commit to godliness, you can do that. And by the grace of God and the strength that he gives, a year from now, your life can be completely different. Isn't that hope for the new year? Your life can be completely different. You can't find this type of life change anywhere else outside of a relationship with Almighty God. That's what Paul's saying. There's hope for you. There's hope for me. I haven't got it all figured out, but I'm going to commit to knowing, commit to learning, commit to trying to understand what it means to follow God. We're going to look at that. What does it mean to commit our lives to godliness? So we're going to have a little journey. Um, One theologian noted what Paul's talking about. He gives his own description of this, this passage in Philippians. He says, Paul's Deeply personal desire expressed here in Philippians is not a yearning for some distant future. Paul concentrates instead on his ongoing ongoing daily experience with God, an experience that can lift the endless repetition of emptiness and give life vitality and meaning. That's what we're looking for, and that's the description that Paul's giving. Paul has accomplished a lot. Even before he committed his life to Christ, before he made him the boss, before he surrendered his life, he had done a lot. He was well-educated, successful, good reputation. And he's saying that that, you think, would give you the meaning that all of us long for. He's saying it, it doesn't. I haven't taken hold of it yet. The real meaning I get is from pressing on toward the goal which God has called me heavenward. A relationship with him, knowing him, that is what gives the vitality and meaning to my life. And that's the picture of hope that he gives us today as well. Another view of this, this this idea of committing to godliness is 1 Timothy 4, 7 through 9. It says, have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. See, when I read this, my full acceptance is yes, I follow God, I don't need to exercise ever again. 
That's not full acceptance. You realize that self-control is a value. But he's saying, like other goals that are important, it has value in some things. But what's Paul saying again? First Timothy, godliness has value in all things. Godliness has value in all things. That's basically him saying, this is a money-back guarantee. This will not fail you. This will not leave you discouraged. Or just, well, that wasn't worth it. It's saying it has value in every area of your life. Any area that you have a goal in, godliness provides the meaning that, that we all long for. Godliness has value in all things. But Paul goes right to the heart of it. Train yourself to be godly. When I read that, I'm like the video. All right. Let's do it. I'll just sit here and become godly. Hopefully. What you find in in the Bible is that training yourself to be godly means that you're going to do certain things. And this brings up an interesting parallel between two things in our life that are so important. I don't want to touch on those. Because I know in my own life I've gotten dorked up. And the two things are dependency on God and discipline. They sometimes seem seem like they don't go together. How can you depend on God and discipline yourself at the same time? How, How does that work? What you find is for godliness to to come about in your life, both have to be there. Um, this, is, this is an important point. To truly change, we must commit to being dependent on God and disciplined. And there's a slide up there that says this. Dependence on God and personal discipline is the true picture of godliness. A lot of times we want one or the other. We want to depend on God. Okay, God, I want this in my life. I want to learn more about you. I want to figure out what it means to live for you. So show me. I'll sit here and I'll wait for it to happen. I'm depending on you. That's like saying I want my checkbook balanced. But I'll never open my checkbook. I've actually tried that for budgeting. That does not work. It doesn't balance itself. The same with the spiritual disciplines. You can't depend on God and then do nothing. Depending on God actually means you are doing certain things. And we're going to talk about those a little bit later. And then the other side. We're either depending on God. Okay, I'm here. Change my life. Or the other side is discipline. All right. I'm going to have this regiment. I'm going to do this every day at this time. Then I'm going to transition to this. I'm going to do this. And I'm going to do this. And I'm going to do this. And there's... No dependence on God. It's all self-effort. And usually we go from one to the other. Depending on God, nothing happened. Well, I'm going to do it all myself. Depend on God. It's not working. I'm going to figure this out. And we're stuck. I want to depend on God. But every time I try to be disciplined, I do it on my own strength. You guys ever experienced that? Then you get frustrated. I can't do it. You're right. Depend on God. I can't. You're right. And we're just stuck. There's a picture of a book I've been reading. Um, Discipline of Grace describes this process. And he has an illustration I want to show you here. This is what's going on. It's like an airplane. To grow, you have to have two wings to the plane of your life. 
You ever been in an airplane and the pilot's, sure, welcome to United, uh, we're flying at 30,000 feet. Problem is, uh, we're going to have to choose a wing to cut off because we're not going to be able to land with both wings. Uh, can you please choose which wing right now you'd like me to cut, the right or left? Go ahead and yell that out in your seat, please. You imagine sitting there? Let's take the right one off. Yeah, that might help. Or let's cut the. Maybe, can we cut half of both? No, it, it doesn't work. You cut the wing off, you're going down. Just like plane needs two wings, we need both things in our life: a dependence on God and discipline towards the things that will help us grow. This is just a question you don't have to answer, but which wing do you cling to? Is it a dependence but no action or action but no dependence? It's very key to identify this. If we don't figure out where we are, you're going to keep doing the same things you've been doing. You need both dependency and discipline. Paul wrote another uh, letter to a church. And this is in Romans. And he's basically describing how you do this. How do you depend on God and at the same time discipline yourself? In Romans 12, 1 through 2, I want to walk you guys through this to kind of further flesh this out. Romans 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And he says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Verse 1 of Romans 12.1. In view of God's mercy... That's dependence. In view of God's mercy, in view of the fact that he forgives me, he has forgiven me, in view of the fact that he's patient with me, in view of the fact that he cares about my growth so much more than I do, in view of all that, I'm going to offer my body as a living sacrifice. I am going to surrender. I'm going to depend. That's the picture. You see it again. In view of his mercy, in view of who he is, not who I am, not what I've done, in view of his mercy and his love for me, I'll offer my body as a living sacrifice. I will depend on him. Then verse 2, then we think, yes, I depend on you, God. Change me. But you see to verse 1, there's verse 2, and this is the discipline. This is what we're supposed to do. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll figure out what God wants to do in your life and around the world. That's basically what it's saying. So, view of his mercy, I'm going to surrender. I'm going to depend. And how I discipline myself, I'm going to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. This transformation, our minds being renewed, which is basically saying the way you see things may not be true. The way you think life works may not actually work like that. Isn't that scary? What this is saying is, is you can actually be transformed. What you see can actually line up with what is real and what is true. 
This only happens as you're transformed by the renewing, a renewal of your mind. This can't happen by thinking, renew, renew, renew. Transformation doesn't come by really hoping. Transformation comes from doing a couple of things that tap into the resources of God's power that actually transform your life. We're going to talk about those. That's the picture of godliness. Depending on God and disciplining yourself to be godly. So how, how do we do that? Well, this is what it looks like. If you want to figure out how to pursue Christ, how to grow in your relationship with him, there's two things that you can do that can greatly help as you commit to follow him. First is depending on God through prayer. Depending on God through prayer. Psalm 119. Uh, Psalms are a great uh, just piece of scripture right there in the middle of your Bible that really are prayers of people thousands of years ago that were trying to figure out how life works. And these are just their proclamations to God, their prayers. Many of them prayers of God praise you. You are amazing to prayers of God. Are you there? Are you real? Where are you, God? All sorts of prayers, but you, you get into the heart of what does prayer look like? And you can read the Psalms. This is a great example. Psalm 119 is a Psalm which talks a lot about the, the value of the Bible. But in this, these four verses, you actually find this is a prayer of dependency, a prayer of dependency to God. And it says, teach me, Lord, the way of your decrees that I may, that I may follow it to the end. Give me understanding that I may keep your law and obey it with all my heart. Direct me in the path of your commands, for there I find delight. Turn my heart toward your statutes and not toward selfish gain. Turn my eyes away from worthless things. Preserve my life according to your word. In that book, Discipline of Grace, which I recommend reading if you haven't, Jerry Bridges says this, Prayer is the tangible expression of our dependence. Prayer is the tangible expression of our dependence. In my morning, a lot of times, I'm not thinking a prayer of dependence. I'm thinking, I've got to get up. got to get ready. i got this meeting i got to prepare for. i got this thing I need to do. After work, i got to go here. i got to go there. i got to go here. Stop! The psalmist says, Turn my eyes away from worthless things. Turn my heart towards your statutes and not towards selfish gain. That's a prayer of dependence. There's so many things I need to get done. There's so many things I want. And you're just everywhere. Guys, ever experienced that? Depending on God in prayer. Help me to focus on you and not towards selfish gain. A prayer of dependence. To be in the morning at work. It could be planned prayer, spontaneous prayer. You actually need both. Planned prayer is you've decided you're going to have prayer time, certain time every day where you've carved out to pray. Pray about things that are in your heart. You pray to thank God for what he's doing. And then there's spontaneous prayers, which is the, uh-oh, this is falling apart, didn't see that coming prayer. God, help me, or God, help them. As things come up, you pray. Same time, you're, you're praying, which is a discipline, and you're depending on God by turning to him. 
That's how disciplines and dependency work. You have to discipline yourself enough to do it by by doing it, you're actually depending on him. It doesn't make sense, but that's what brings the change in your life, in my life. This past week, I I had an experience of this. Uh, My wife called, and it's one of those calls where you're in the middle of something, and it's like, hey, we just got a bill, a hospital bill for $534. It's one of those things where you didn't know it was coming. Then you hang up the phone, you're like, <laughs> but I was in Starbucks, it was more like, <laughs> but I, I, I was in the middle of thinking through this stuff, and I was like, this is the picture of it. You depend on God. God, I didn't see this coming. I don't know how we're going to pay for this, but you're in control. But then there's the other part. You depend on God, but you do your part as well. The thought came to me and said, well, that doesn't sound right. I didn't know that we were going to get charged for that. And so Sam called and realized it was a mistake. See, a lot of times in our life, we depend on God, but we miss what we need to do. We could depend on God all day for a bill, but if you're not supposed to pay the bill, you've kind of missed it. Am I right? Same thing. God, I depend on you. I depend on you. There's something you need to do. If you don't do it, you've missed it. That's the picture of change. You surrender to God, you realize by, it's by His strength. He gives the grace. The life comes from Him. The power comes from Him. But I will do my part. That's the picture that Paul's describing. That's the picture of the psalmist. I'm, I'm going to focus on you. Depending on God through prayer. The second discipline is we need to allow the truth of the Bible to transform us. That's what Paul's talking about. To transform your life, you need the truth. Not an opinion. Not an historical idea. You need the truth. The truth sets you straight. It allows you to see things that are real. How it really is. Without it, you just, you're just going cross lanes. You're not sure where you're supposed to end up. Depending on God through prayer and being transformed by Scripture, that is how you change. But you have to commit to those. You have to commit to prayer. You have to commit to reading your Bible. You can't be transformed by just coming and listening to a message. That helps. You can't be transformed by hanging around other people that are following God. That helps. You have to be transformed by reading and meditating on the scriptures yourself. You have to commit to doing that. Uh, Psalm 1 says this, Blessed is the one who who does not walk and step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by stream of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. If you're like me, you end that with, I want to prosper. Okay? I want fruit of my life to grow and not wither. Okay? And I want to be planted by streams of water. Isn't this like just 
beautiful vision of life. I want all that. And then, okay, I'm in so far. But whose delight is in the law of the Lord, who meditates on it day and night. Huh? That's how it is for me. It's, you, you want the benefits. But you have to train yourself to be godly. You have to get these into your life with the help of God, with a daily surrender to Him. There's no way around it. And we mess up and we miss reading our Bible. We miss prayer. And you're just forgetting what is behind, straining towards what is ahead. I press on. We're going to mess up. We're going to miss. We're going to be undisciplined. But with the help of God, I'm going to set my heart, my life to this goal. And that's the goal all of us have before us. This picture of prayer and scripture, it, it's really a picture of it. It gets you on the right path. Recently, I was driving in my minivan, my two kids. That's, you know, that's life. Your dad, three kids, you're rolling your minivan. This, this is what it's about. You know, waving to people like minivan. No soccer yet, but coming soon. And I'm, I'm in the car, and we're going to pick up something, and so the seats are down. Katie's in the front seat. My son is in the back, and we're on our way for about a 20-minute journey, and there's a Kleenex box on my elbow, and it's, you know, I'm trying to steer, and I'm like, half my style in the minivan, you know? Like, so I, I grab the Kleenex box, and I, I like put it down on the floor. If you ever know, like if you, if you move with your hand on the steering wheel, it's like, wow, I've got to put the thing on the car, and I, I, this van just, beep. I went into a lane, the other lane that I wasn't in. And I look in my review, and I missed a car by a few inches. I was like, whoa, daddy almost hit a car. And Katie's like, whoa, daddy. And we're like, whoa, that was uh, close, you know. And all of a sudden, boo. Oh. You know, the kids are all like this awesome. Because, you know, they've seen toys with sirens. Now it's like we are the toy, and there's a car coming with it, you know. You know, and I'm like, all right, guys, let's pray. Uh, pray that God's gracious, and this police officer is too, because I almost hit a car, and I'm getting pulled over. And the kids are just like, they have no category. This is odd. Like, whoa, you're getting pulled over. Like, what, what are you doing? And I'm like, you know, you're trying to explain it. And you know, Well, I got to pull over, and uh, probably going to get a ticket. And wind my window down, and you know, and so the kids are just all like, "This is awesome and amazing," and I'm just like, "This is the worst day of my life." And um, pull over and park on the spot, so the cop gets out. My son, you know, he's three, almost three, and he's thinking, "Like, where's his hat?" Like, you know, this police officer doesn't look like he's supposed to. Like, you know, this vision in his head. Where's his hat? And I'm like, you know, he doesn't have a hat, and don't talk too loud, you know. Uh, I don't want pepper spray either, and. Uh, Unwind the window, and he, he comes, and he's like, whoa, uh, you know what happened back there? I said, yes, officer. I grabbed a Kleenex box. It was bothering my arm. I put it down the floor, and I swerved in the other lane, and I almost hit them. Yeah, wow. Yeah, I, I screwed up. And I'm, every time you tell an officer you screwed up, you're like, your move. <laughs> and uh, he, he said, well, uh, you weren't talking on your cell phone, were you? And I was like, no, officer, no cell phone, just moving the, uh, the Kleenex box. And, Looks at me and he's like, you haven't been drinking, have you? He looks at the kids. You haven't been drinking, you know, you cargo. He actually used the word cargo. It's like, 
no cargo in, no drinking, you know, and he's like, all right, license and registration. And that's when you're like, once you hand them something, they got the power. Well, they always had the power because I'm quivering. I'm like the steering wheel. And literally, as, as I handed this, it was like my daughter knew. I said, license and registration. And my daughter said, oh, shoot. <laughs> and I was just like, and I, I kid you not, the police officer, he, he cracked a smile. And he thought it was hilarious. My kids thought it was great. And I'm just, this is terrible. And my daughter said that. I was like, thanks for that. That's how I felt. And so he looks at it and he's like, all right. You know, based on who you got in the car, you need to be more careful. Yes, officer. I'll, yes, you're right. You know, because you need to be safe knowing that you're driving. I'm, yes. And so he, he just gave me a warning. That's right. It's like, thank you, God. I, you know, I'm praying. The kids are like, wow, he was so, I was like, he is so kind. He's the kindest police officer ever. And they're like, yeah, he's really kind. And we're just like, yeah. And, you know, I'm driving. And, you know, after you get pulled over, you, you go like 30 on the freeway. Seriously, you go 30. It's like you change lanes. You're not even, you don't even want to change lanes because you know that an officer could see you do it. And it may not be right. Stop signs, you're like 10 seconds. One, two, and you're directing, you know. You drive perfectly. And so I was, I was set straight. I was set straight. But then you know what really did it? My daughter. Now I'm just, this is awesome. She said, you know, Dad, you really need to be more careful. <laughs> I know! I just got pulled over! But it was like that... That was the picture of what tapping into the resource of God. When you, when you pray and when you read the scriptures, you, you get perspective. I'll tell you what, I was, I was set straight for a day. <laughs> you know, then you go and you forget. It's the same, you know, you, you leave here and you're like, yeah, I want to be disciplined. And, but every day you have to make that choice. I'm going to allow prayer to link my dependence to God, allow the scriptures to transform the way I see things. Today. And tomorrow I'm going to choose that again. And tomorrow I'm going to choose that again. You're not worried about it if you miss. You, you focus on the here and now. That's the picture. So I encourage you, make a commitment wherever you are. If you need help figuring out your next step, we're here to help. There's a few next steps that I've listed. want to go over those. But let us know where you're at, and we'd love to help you. That's what we're here for. So let's go over those. You have a connection card that's in your program that looks like this. And on the bottom of your outline are some next steps. You can also mark those next steps on the connection card. This is kind of a way that you can take a step by marking it, committing to it. Okay? Uh, for the first time, first next step there, once you fill this out on the back, for the first time, I accept Jesus as my Savior and follow him as Lord. That's where the life starts with following God. You can't tap into the resources of God until you decide commit your life to him. That's where the life flows. That's where the disciplines, spiritual disciplines, take root. If you've been doing things on your own, trying to figure it out yourself, I encourage you, take a step today to do it God's way. Make that step. We'd love to help you in that. Uh, second, you can memorize 1 Timothy 4, 7. Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. 
You can read a psalm every day this month. Great thing about reading scripture and reading the psalms is as you're reading the scripture, it's getting into your life. As you're reading the psalms, you're figuring out how did these people talk to God? How did these people pray? So you can pray these back to God and read scripture at the same time and you're, you're getting a glimpse of the resources that God gives. So you can do that every day this month. You can continue as well after this month if you so choose to. Uh, you can attend the quiet time class we're going to be offering in February. Uh, sign up for that. It's a class that just gives you tools. That how, how do you get spiritual disciplines in your life? It goes into a little more, more depth than what we can here. You can attend the CIV preview on 122. This is to learn more about us as a church. And even being a part of a community, how can that help you in your pursuit of God? So we kind of explain that. And then um, on the connection card, if, if there's something else, there's something that you need to do, you need to make a decision right now. I encourage you to do that. It's a new year, a new opportunity. Uh, take a step. We'd love to pray as you guys do that. So let's pray together right now. Father, thank you so much for an opportunity to come and live life. It's so easy to take for granted the fact that you've given us another day, that you have our, our days numbered. You know exactly how long we're going to live. And at least right now you've chosen to give us another day. And we want to use it, not for our own selfish gain, but really to make a difference. And we can't do it by ourselves. We can't follow you by ourselves. We need your help. So we surrender to you. And God, I ask if there's any barriers, if there's anything in our minds, anything in our hearts that's preventing us, God, I pray that you will remove those barriers, those hindrances. And God, I pray for new life this morning. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen.